morning, church. It's good to be with you. Let us uh, just have another word of prayer uh, that the Lord will speak through me today. Loving Father, thank you once again for this opportunity to speak, to teach your people. I pray that you would be with all of us, give us your spirit. I pray that you would speak through me. May it not be my words, but your words. Pray that you will humble me and that you will be exalted and that you may be glorified. We thank you, Lord, for your power and your presence. And we ask you all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I apologize for not getting all the bulletin information in on time, but uh, which kind of led to some confusion. Uh, but the title of this talk uh, is Limited Range of Movement. <clears throat> So recently, uh, as I mentioned to some of you all before, my family and I were blessed. Uh, we had the great opportunity to go to the family camp at Camp Winnipeg. And it was a great blessing. There were many things that we did at this camp. Uh, we were swimming. We were uh, on the boats, in the canoes. We were even on a speedboat. I'd never been on a speedboat in my life. And part of me was a little scared, I have to admit. Uh, but it was a wonderful experience. The boat was going like this and around, and felt like you were about to fall off, but we stayed in. Um, and the boat was only going like 30 miles per hour, but it felt like it was the fastest thing ever. Uh, so we were out uh, having fun in the lake, the canoe. Um, we were, uh, we even had some activities where they had arts and crafts. And again, because we were around like minds and believers, we had the opportunity to have worship. Right? We were worshiping and, and, and praying, and we met other like-minded individuals, and it was such a blessing. And I always say, this experience for me was better than Six Flags. Now, I went to Six Flags when I was younger. You know, my family would often go on those trips, and, you know, they're exciting trips to go on. Very, you know, gets, gets you pumping and, you know, so many things to see, but... You know, I've read, you know, in the councils, Spirit of Prophecy, and, uh, you know, just, not just that, but just looking at it on a whole, uh, you realize that those things aren't necessarily beneficial for us. Um, all the excitement, the roller coasters, not, not very healthy either. Um, <clears throat> but... Uh, we're told that we should 
find recreation, right? We have the word recreation. It's two words in there, recreation, right? Uh, where after you uh, engage in certain activities, you don't feel exhausted and, you know, down or, you know, whatever, or overly excited, but you feel rejuvenated. And that was the experience that we had. Uh, we even uh, were able to go zip lining. Now, zip lining, you gotta go real high. And my sons, Joshua and Jonathan, they seem fearless. I, on the other hand, I had to act like I was fearless, right? Because they were, and I was like, what am I doing up here? But we did it, it was like an obstacle course. It we went all around and we came down finally. Uh, they loved it so much, they did it twice. I just did it once. You know, I was okay with one time, all right? <laughs> so, we had so much fun, we decided to get on some mountain bikes. And, you know, again, the simplest things. It's, it's interesting how the simplest things could be so, so much fun and entertaining and, and exciting. So I decided to go on a mountain bike with my sons and we rode around and I'm exhausted <sighs> and they're just riding like nothing. And, and they're, they're riding like big bikes for their age and I'm like, wow, you guys know how to ride. Um, and we went on this trail in a row. We did so many wonderful things. Uh, you know, it was amazing. The next day after that, we said, my kids said, you know, because they, they had a three-hour mountain bike ride, and I wasn't going to do that. That was, that was too much. I could barely get up those hills uh, that they had us go up. Um, but I learned from that biking is a good exercise, and it made me think of uh, Elder Orville. He's uh, very good with a bicycle. Um, that's, a, that's a very great way to exercise, and, I, and I, I, I'm not too keen about the cars on the street, I, you know, that, that kind of concerns me, but I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. Um, but the next day, we decided to go BMX biking, all right? Now, BMX is more like, you know, local, you're not traveling a longer distance, and you're doing tricks, right? Now, I put it upon myself to say, hey, let me try a trick. My sons, they always wanted to know how to do a wheelie, right? Daddy, you know how to do a wheelie? I said, nope, I don't know how to do a wheelie. We gotta find somebody who does, but no one there knew how to do a wheelie. So I said, you know what? Let me try. Let me try this wheelie thing. So I decided to pop up went up a little bit, I was like, no, that's not good enough. I gotta try it again, I gotta get this bike up in the air. So I was able to get it up and go a little bit and then I fell. It was okay. I was like, you know what, it's not that bad. You know, I have my helmet on, you know, I'm, I'm safe. If I fall, if I feel like I'm gonna fall back, I just hop off the bike and, you know, call it a day. Then I said, hey kids, look, I tried a wheelie, watch me try it again. Look, watch, watch, watch. So this last time that I tried this wheelie, I popped up way up. 
got real high, but something happened. I twisted the, the bike. It, it didn't, uh, it wasn't straight in the air. It landed and then, boom, I fell. And when I fell, I tried to, again, protect myself. And as I fell, boom, I fell right on my elbow, right here. And as I, as I fell on the ground, I heard a And I'm like, oh, that was interesting. But it didn't feel like you know, something was really damaged. It, you know, it kind of was like you hit a funny bone. Like, you know it's serious, but you didn't think it was that serious. Um, but after a while, I realized I couldn't really move my arm the way that I wanted to. And uh, it was very painful to even take off my shirt and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I figured, ah, just give it some time, I'll be okay. But my wife said no you got to see a nurse. And thank God for the nurses there. I did not want to see the nurses. But I went anyway uh, under my wife's counsel. And the nurse looked at my arms. She said, you know what? Um, she, she gave me a tape here to keep, keep it from moving too much. She pressed it and feel it. She was like, does this hurt? This hurt? I was like, no, it doesn't hurt. Um, and then she sent me on my way. Make a long story short. Something else happened and I got, my foot got injured, so I had to go to the nurse again. And then when I went to the nurse this time, I told the nurse, hey, my arm, I, can you check on my arm? Is it getting better or worse? And she looked at it and said, she said, uh, I don't think I can help you with this. You got to go to the emergency room. So I went to the emergency room, got an x-ray. They said, you have a broken bone and it's the bro your, your radial head is broken in your arm, but it's in place, right? It's not like cracked open or whatever. So they said, you need to see a orthopedic doctor as soon as you can. It was basically four days before I left, so I said, hey, when I go to Connecticut, that's when I'll, I'll go, uh, go to the orthopedic doctor. Again, because of insurance and everything. It's crazy how insurance works in this world. Uh, but went to the orth orthopedic doctor and in Connecticut, and they basically told me, or they did an x-ray, and they said, how does your arm feel? And I was like, ah, oh, it hurt. I can't move it this much that way. I can't move it this much this way. And he was like, you see this sling? Throw it away. So told me to take this sling and throw it away. It's no good for you. I'm like, what? And he was like, listen, if you keep this, keep this arm in that sling, you are going to have, when, when everything heals, you are going to have limited range of movement. Meaning, your, your arm would not reach back to its proper functionality. All right? So the way that you're going to do this, or you should do this, is get rid of the sling and start moving your arm back and forth. I know it hurts. They recommended Tylenol, whatever, ice. Do whatever you need, but get this arm moving or else it's going to stay in that limited range. Did I listen? Yes. So thank God today 
my arm, I'm able to move it much more. It still hurts some, some portions. The more I move it, it, it could hurt, but it, it, it's better, right? It's still not perfect, and they're going to keep in contact with me, and uh, I, got, I have many checkups, checkups to go to, to uh, check on it to make sure it's healing property, properly. So, when I experience that and I, and I reflect on it, it, it helps me to realize that there's something about when we are healing or when we are injured that we need to make sure that our bodies are moving. Even though we may be injured and we may want it to heal, there's a point where you need to move, right? Or else you won't be able to have the proper function that you need. And uh, the reason why I titled this message Limited Range of Movement is because it's the same thing in the spiritual world. When it comes to the church and God's people, right? God wants us, even though we may not be in a, the healthiest condition, he wants us to get moving, right? So that we can regain the proper functionality of our limbs, of our uh, ministries in the church, so that we could do the mission that God has called us to do. Amen. Now, what is the mission of the church? What is my mission? What was Jesus's mission? Let's go to Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. Notice what it says here in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. It says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Right? Jesus' mission on this earth was to give life to the world. Right? To bring healing unto the world. To minister unto the world. He didn't come for himself to be ministered unto. The, he wanted to minister unto others. God is the source of life to the universe. Just like the sunlight gives its rays and, uh, you know, gives life and energy uh, to this planet, and the, the rivers and the waters give uh, nourishment and, and, and quenches the thirst of the inhabitants of this world, love and blessings flow from the heart of Jesus, right, to all those who he came in contact with. He did not live a life of ease, but he lived a life of hard toil, right? Toilsome care. Let's go to Mark chapter 135. Mark chapter 135. And let's read what it says here. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, about Jesus. Now, it's important to know <clears throat> that before this text, before this verse, it says, 
or let, let's, let's read before, so it's not my words, but you're hearing it from the Bible. Let's start with 20, verse 29. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simeon and Andrew with James and John. But Simeon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her. And she ministered unto them. And at evening, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And they healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. So before verse 35, the Bible lets us know that Jesus was engaged in self-sacrificing service. He healed the sick. He casted out demons. He ministered unto all that came unto him. He, he went there for one thing, and then eventually he had to do ten things, so to speak, right? His goal was to minister to others. <clears throat> you would think, you would think he would be tired, right? Right? After all that toilsome care, you would think that he would be tired. Yes, he was tired. You would think the next day he would probably sleep in, right? Maybe take it a little easy. But notice what it says here, verse 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day. So when he slept, he woke up a great while before day. What is that saying? While the sun, or before the sun rose, he got up. Did he sleep in? No. Right? Before the sun rose, he got up, and he went out, and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. Right? So Jesus' life was not a life of toilsome ease. He had a mission. He had a plan. He was focused. He knew that he had to minister unto others, and he knew that he needed strength in order to do that. And that only came through prayer. His life was a life of sacrifice. He put others first. He put his life and his body on the line for those who he was called to minister unto. The mission of the church. God's church should follow in Jesus' example. Amen? The church is God's appointed agency for the salvation of souls. Matthew chapter 28, we, we should know this. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, this is called the Great Commission. The Great Commission that God gives us, did he tell them? to just relax after I leave, take it easy, one day at a time, just, you know, just casually tell people about me. No, 
He said, in verse 18 and on, Matthew chapter 20, he, he says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go you therefore, and what? What? Say that again. Go, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. God instructed his people to go forth and minister to teach the world, right? Teach my people, feed my people. Uh, in fact, when uh, Jesus was leaving and they were watching Jesus leave, uh, they were looking, gazing up into the sky. Uh, what did the angels uh, say to the disciples? Hey, why you stand gazing up into the sky? Right, he's gonna come back, go. Go and do the work that God has called you to do. And in Acts chapter 2, we see something amazing happening where the disciples came together. They prayed. They fasted. They unified. They gathered together. And the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. And the Bible lets us know that as the Holy Spirit was poured out, they began teaching and preaching with boldness and with power. Do we have boldness? Do we have power in the church today? They were preaching and teaching with boldness and power. And it said that God added to the church daily such as, as should be saved. In other words, God was working hand in hand with his people to bring in souls for the kingdom. It was a partnership. Amen? They were working together. Revelation chapter 3. This is the ideal that I just mentioned. But what is our true condition? Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. In Revelation, the Bible talks about the seven churches, seven churches representing seven different time periods of, of God's people, the church. And in this last church, Laodicea, God is speaking to his end time people. Are we in the end times? So who is God talking to? Us, you and me. So he said, verse 14, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things, saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, and thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot, right? You are neither cold nor hot. You are neither, you know, on the right path or you're not on the right path, you're, you're, you're not totally away from me, but you're not on fire for me. It's like you're in the middle somewhere, and this is not good. He says, so then, because thou art, what? Lukewarm, 
and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Who is this talking about? The church today. Remember, as I said earlier, the mission of the church is to go forth and uh, be the agency that God works through to bring salvation to the souls, to, to the souls out there, right? So the Bible lets us know that we are in a horrible position. In fact, it says that we are rich and increased with good. Notice what it says, verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with good and have need of nothing, and knowest that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. In other words, God is saying, listen, you have 20-20 vision, but you're blind. You're clothed with the latest fashion, but you're still naked. You, have, you are rich and increased with goods. You have many things, many wealth, but you are poor. God says you think you're a certain way, but the reality is you are in another way. Look at how Isaiah puts it. Let's go to quickly to Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 6. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 6. Notice what it says here. <coughs> Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 6. It says here, from the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been clothed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. In other words, God is saying to his people, you are sick. You are sick from the head to the toe. Right? You are experiencing trauma. Your bones are fractured. And you have limited range of movement. Right? You are in need of that healing balm. Right? Jesus compared, or the Bible, I should say, compares the church to a body, the human body, right? Right? The arms, the legs, the, the head, the feet. But it's as if God is saying, listen, you got broken bones all over your body. You're walking and you're not walking properly. Everything is just messed up. And you are not able to move to your full potential. We have broken arms of legs. And what are we in need of? We are in need of some ointment. Now, uh, there's a wonderful sister here who decided to bless me with some uh, ointment for my fractured arm. And uh, I don't know if she minds me telling who she is, but uh, uh, Sister Jean, she has uh, some ointments that she makes, right? Um, and the ointment that she gave me for my arm was uh, uh, comfrey with castor oil, right? She grows these things and she, make, she makes it from scratch. And she decided to go out of her way take time of her, out of her day and come to the place where I work 
and drop that bomb off for me, right? That healing bomb. And, if, um, and it's interesting because when this happened, uh, a friend of mine told me, like, listen, you need to get some comfort. And I forgot about it. And it was last Sabbath that uh, Sister Jean, she uh, mentioned that to me. Uh, they call it the bone knitter, right? Uh, comfrey. So she, she went out of her way, gave that self-sacrificing love, and she gave me some of that ointment. And I appreciate it, and I apply it every night to my arm uh, with the hopes that things will heal, and they will heal quickly and heal in the right way. Right? So the Bible is simply saying you are in need of that ointment. Amen? You are in need of that healing balm. And what is that healing balm going to do? It's going to heal your whole body. It's going to heal every limb. Remember, the Bible lets us know some of us are like the arms of the body. Some of, some of us are like the eyes of the body. Some of us are like the legs. We all have different gifts and talents and functions, right, that God wants to use. But again, if we are broken, if we have these broken limbs, can we use the, the limbs? Can we operate the way that God wants us to? No. But you see, <coughs> there's a trick the devil wants to get us into. He wants us to feel sorry for ourselves. He wants us to, you know, now there's a time to bound up, bind up yourself and, you know, keep things uh, rested. But it's not supposed to stay like that forever, right? He wants us to stay in this state of limited movement, right? But God is letting us know, listen, you can't stay like this forever. You need to release those those wraps uh, and the slings that you're in and move your limbs. Move your limbs so that you can be restored to where I want you to go. So the question is, where do we start as God's people? Right? We already understand that we are sick. We are, needing, uh, we are in need of health, and we are in need of healing, right? And we need that ointment. And that ointment essentially represents the Holy Spirit, right? Healing our lives, healing our bodies. It starts with an individual work, amen? It starts with an individual work, right? Through prayer, through Bible study, but not just that. Exercising the limbs through self sacrificing service. We often forget that. We could pray all day. We could study the Bible all day. But if we are not out giving what God has given us to others, we will not grow. Are you with me, church? We will not grow. We will be stagnant. And God has designed it so that we can work together with him. Amen. Notice what it says here. Let's go to Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. Just, just, just so that you could see how God works. Revelation chapter 1. And we're reading verse 1 quickly. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which, which must shortly come to pass. And he sent 
and signified it by who? His angel. Now, did he stop there? You know, if God wanted to, he could have used the angels to finish his work. He could have used the angels. But notice what it says. He sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. Surely the Lord will do nothing but reveal his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. Right? God, the way that God works is that he works with mankind to reach mankind. Right? He wants us to cooperate with him. Right? He hasn't designed it so that angels just, just do the work and, and finish the work. No. What benefit would that be for us? Right? He wants it so that we work together with him and the angels and we all finish the work together. We all do the work together. But if we are not doing the work, if we are uh, being hindered by whatever it is, we will not, the work will not be able to progress in the way that God wants it to. Right? God wants us to use our gifts and our talents for him. What are your gifts and your talents? You know, as soon as you accept Christ, Right. As the moment that you uh, have accepted Christ as your Lord and uh, and your savior, it is no sooner than that, that you are. God wants you to be put to work for his cause. Are you with me? Right. As soon as Christ works upon your heart and begins to transform that naturally a desire begins to awaken for others. Right. Where you want to now share what you have received from him. It's, it's only natural. If that's not the case, then it's unnatural, right? That means there, there needs to be more work done. Now, what oftentimes, oftentimes uh, prevents us from doing the work? Well, I'll tell you in my example, it was fear. I don't know if I shared it before, but there was a time when I came into the church, and yes, I was sharing the gospel with my friends, and that was a work that God had called me to do. But there was a time where the members of my church, these were, these were young people, right? I was 18 at the time. They were probably uh, 14, 15, 16, some 12, some 10, 9. They got together, and they said, hey, we're going to give out tracts. And I was like, giving out tracts? What's that? And they said, yeah, hey, we just walk up to people and give them uh, these little pamphlets about God. And I saw them do it. I was like, what are they? Wow. They are bold. How are they just walking up to these people, telling them, giving, them, <laughs> giving these people things about Jesus like that? They're not afraid? I tell you, I was afraid. And I didn't go out with them for a while. I just looked and I'm like, okay, all right, you guys have a good day. You know, have a good time. But then something, something was stirring within me. The Holy Spirit was working on my heart. And they, and they and the Lord was using them. Hey, come on, Jermaine, come. Let's do this together. Let's do this together. And I was like, uh, I don't know. Okay, okay, I'll go, I'll go. And I, I remember the first track that I gave, I could even, the words could even come out my mouth properly. You know, I, it was like I was mumbling and, you know, almost trembling, giving the track to uh, the gentleman that I saw, and he took it by God's grace. Amen? 
And I was like, wow, that was it? And I was like, all right, let me try it again. And I tried it again. Let me try it again. And I tried it again. And over, I tried it over and over again till I was conditioned and hardened. And it became like nothing to hand out tracts. Right? It was no more, it was no longer such a, there was no longer such a great fear over me when it came to giving out those tracts. Right? So the Lord wants us to move past our fears. Right? Things that may, uh, <coughs> we may say, oh, he, you know, you know, and, you know, I was in, New I, I grew up in New York City, so you have some rough and tough characters in New York City, and sometimes uh, the appearance of the, of the individual, uh, you know, you didn't want to really approach that person, right? But I tell you what, the Lord worked through me in such a mighty way that I gained such a boldness. And it didn't matter where I was, what neighborhood I was, who I was around, how the person looked. I was going to approach that person and talk to them about Jesus and give them a track about Jesus, right? So I didn't, it didn't care, whatever it was. Sometimes you may be afraid of how a person looks. You might be afraid of, you know, how the person talks or whatever it is. God wants us to put aside all those fears, put aside all those prejudices, right? and go and do his work, right? Jesus is calling us to examination, self-examination. Notice Psalm cha chapter 139. <coughs> I believe I have the right chapter here where David says, search me, O God, right? And see if there is any what? wicked way in me. In other words, our prayer should be, Lord, what's keeping me from doing the work that you want me to do? What's preventing me, right, from doing what you want me to do? What is it, Lord? Reveal it unto me. And we are supposed to work, we are supposed to cooperate with God and examine. Why? Examine your motives. Why am I not going out and, and doing this activity, this activity. Am I afraid, right? I, is there something behind? Is there something that I need to work on? Are there secret sins in my life? What is it, right? You, you are asking God to search you, reveal to you what, what it may be that's keeping you from speaking or, or sharing the gospel with others. Uh, there was a time in my school, in my schooling where, you know, as a student, we would often preach and speak and teach, but there was a there, there was a, a fear or something in me that didn't I didn't want to speak and teach in front of my home church, right? I could teach anywhere else, but in front of my home church, I couldn't do it. You know, it's like there was a, a fear, I guess. But what did I do? I you know the Lord works in amazing ways. Uh, I don't know how this happened, you know, how everything, well, the Lord did it, right? So there was a, a student, a, a fellow student, uh, who was doing, uh, I think they were uh, trying to recruit students, and it so happened they were doing it in the area of my local church, and they went to my local church, and they told my local church about me. <laughs> and they said, you know, Jermaine could speak. 
you know, let's have him come out and speak. And then that student came to me and said, hey, Jermaine, we, we scheduled you to, to speak at your local church. And I was like, what? You know, and I, you know, I was, I was nervous. I was afraid, you know, but I said, you know what? Let me just do it. All right. Let me just do it. And as I did it and turns out my father was there, right? The first time he ever heard me speak, my, my, my family was there, right? And even though I was afraid, I did it anyway, right? And I was able to overcome that. You know, I was doing a recent class, and one of the things that they were teaching us is that we need to stretch ourselves. And the term that they used was have a growth mindset, meaning a mindset where you're not afraid to try new things, right? You're willing to challenge yourself. You're willing to, to, to expand. So I realized that God was working through me to expand me, right? To, 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 to enable me to grow so that I could do even more of his will. And that's what we need, brothers and sisters, right? We need to examine our hearts. We need to ask God to show us what is my talent, right? What are my gifts, right? And how can I use it for you? In other words, in other words, if you are a baptized member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, if you are a Christian, you are called to service, right? It, and, and granted, we could serve in the church, right? Right, we could, we could serve our brethren, which is part of that work, but it's about evangelism also, right? And serving beyond the walls of the church, right? And, and, and don't get me wrong, I am not diminishing the work amongst ourselves. We can use our talents and gifts for ourselves also as members. We need to, right? That's what it's for, right? But we cannot neglect the work for those who don't know the gospel also, right? So God has given us talents and gifts. And if you don't know what your gifts are, your talents are, ask God to reveal it. Ask God to show it to you. It's simple. And if you still don't know, you ask him and you still, you're still not clear, try something, right? There are different ministries that are going on. There are people visiting. There are people, uh, you, know, you know, giving out tracts. There are people singing, right? There are people doing Bible studies. Try one of those things and see where your passion lies, right? Oftentimes, it's where our passion is, is where our gift lies. And God wants us to use this. He wants us to engage in self-sacrificing service for others, not just for ourselves, but for those in the world. Second Corinthians chapter eight and verse nine. Let's turn there quickly. Second Corinthians chapter eight and verse nine, and we're wrapping up soon. Second Corinthians chapter eight and verse <coughs> nine. Notice what it says here. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, 
Yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty might be rich. Right? Through the poverty of Jesus, we might be rich. Through the self-sacrifices of others, we may lead many to inherit the, the kingdom of God. Right? Through our poverty, through our self-denial, through our service, not wanting anything back in return or not expecting anything back in return, right? But self-sacrificing love, we can help people to be rich in the kingdom of heaven. You know, uh, it's one thing where you do something for and expect something in return. Oh, I'm doing this and this for them, and I expect them to come to church and be baptized. Should that be our mindset? Oh, we're doing it because it's the love of God that's working, and this is the work that God has called us to do. He has called us to put our, set ourselves aside and to help someone and to reveal the character of Christ to them. Because without us, they won't be able to see the character of Christ. Right? So he wants us to do it not to get something in return, not just for a mere baptism. Because if you do it like that, then what's going to happen is you're not going to see the change in the time you want for the evangelistic series, for them to be baptized, and then you're going to be like, ah, oh, forget it. They're taking too long. Let me move on. Right? That's not the spirit that God wants us to have. God wants us to be in it for the long run. Make friends. The world knows if you are going to... Uh, sell something to anyone, right? The teaching out there and those who are in sales notice, you have to give them something, right? You have to have something of value to offer them. They're not just going to buy anything, right? Does what you have, is it worth any value? If you have something of value, then you could sell it to them. Give them something and then they will buy from you. Make friends, right? Uh, uh, compliment them, you know, not, you know, vain, in a vain way, but be friendly, right? Don't criticize, right? Uh, service is about self-sacrificing love, and it's not about criticizing, which is off the often thing, you know, we, the go-to uh, that we, we like to do. We like to correct. We like to, you know... And especially as we're new in Christ, I remember being new in Christ, I wanted to correct all my friends for whatever wrong thing, little thing that they were doing. Every little detail I saw, you know you shouldn't be doing that, right? You know, you know the, the, you know, the, the papacy is, you know, setting this up for, you know, why, why are you joining, in, joining this, right? Uh, you know, everything I found, uh, uh, you know, why are you cursing? Stop cursing, right? I found every little thing to correct them on. And what I didn't realize at the time, what I was doing was setting up a, bar a barrier, right? And when I took a different approach, where I wasn't so much, I wasn't correcting them. I was just trying to get to know them more, right? Learn about their day, right? And just be a friend, laugh with them, talk with them about, you know, subjects that I could talk about. And you know what? They didn't want to curse in front of me. They didn't want to <laughs> do certain things in front of me. Oh, Jermaine's here. You know, <laughs> let's go. Or you know, let's let's stop doing this. Let's stop doing that. Why? 
because I didn't have to tell them. They knew I was a Christian. And because of the spirit working upon their heart, they were moved to uh, change or, or make stop whatever rude act that they were doing uh, in front of me. So, in other words, when we learn to make friends with people, when we learn to help people, minister unto people, they will uh, they will look at what we are doing. They will be amazed. The Holy Spirit will impress upon their heart. You know, you don't even have to say that you're a Christian to someone. The Holy Spirit has already let them know that you are a Christian, right? If you are connected to Christ, the very presence of you in front of that person, God is speaking to them. And they are, they are in knowledge that they are in, a, in, in the presence of someone who is connected to the Lord. They may, not, they may not be able to put their hands on it. Right. They may not be able to understand every little, uh, you know, impression that the spirit has given them, but the Holy Spirit is impressing them. And as we show them that love and kindness, the impression gets deeper and deeper and deeper until they want to learn more and more and more about you. And you'll be surprised. They will make changes. They will make corrections without you having to say a thing to them. Right. God wants us. To, to engage in the self-sacrificing love and service, and it could take any form. It could take any form. And I, I wanted to show you <coughs> this uh, quick video, Ben. Uh, if you could pull up this website. This is just an example. Now, there's a, before you play, there's a quote uh, in the Spirit of Prophecy where uh, she has says that uh, God has, she was uh, directed by the one who cannot err that we should set up small companies as a means of evangelism. Let me see if I could uh, actually pull up the exact quote here. It says, the formation of small companies as a basis of Christian effort has been presented to me by the one who cannot error, right? So in other words, you want to know how to go and do the work? God says develop small groups. It, companies is, is talking about small groups, right? Small groups come together and let it, is it just to do Bible studies? Is it just to pray? No. It's a basis for Christian effort, evangelism. Right? So get together. It may be one. It, it can be one. It may be two, at least two or three or more. Right? Get together in these groups and go forth and do the work that God has put, put it upon your heart. And this is what we call or, or this can lead to what we call a self-supporting ministry. Now, this uh, clip um, <coughs> is about a group called SALT, um, which is, represents uh, serving, ser service and love together, all right? And what they do is they have a minister to reach out to the homeless, right? And part of it is they give them, they uh, provide these trailers where they can give uh, the home, where the homeless can actually take showers. So let's let's play uh, this quick clip here. Uh, go ahead, Ben.
cry aloud and spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Isaiah 58. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure, and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as you do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Would thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? And that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him. And that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Then, then shall thy light break forth as the morning. And thine health shall spring forth speedily. And thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Brothers and sisters, as we engage in this type of service, the blessings and healings of God will come. As we engage in the movement that God wants us to engage in, we will be a light to the world. Right? As they mentioned, they began this movement, a small movement. It started with that young man experiencing homelessness for himself. He himself was homeless, and he accepted this message, and he had that touch, that empathy for those who were homeless. That was his talent, right? And he used that little, little, little talent or that little thing that God was uh, stirring up in his heart, and he used it to minister to others. He started small, and it became bigger and bigger, so much so that the government was now getting involved and giving them money. And the whole community was aware of it. And they were being a light to the nation. They were being a light to their community. They were in active, self-sacrificing service. Right? This is what God is calling us to do. It may not be exactly this, church. But this is why I, I, I ask you, what is your talent? What is your gift? What is that passion that God is putting upon your heart? Where does your burden lie? Right? It could be helping the homeless. It could be with health. It could be just visiting mothers, single mothers, right? Whatever it may be, God wants us to be creative and he wants us to use our talents. When we come into the church, our creativity doesn't stop. Right. Creativity should still be flowing through our minds and we should think and develop new ways, of course, within harmony with God's principles of doing this work and of evangelizing. 
But if we don't, if we don't, church, we'll continue to be sick. We will continue to have a limited range of movement. Notice this is found in Steps of Christ. It says, those who endeavor to maintain Christian life by passively, passively accepting the blessings that come through the means of grace and doing nothing for Christ are simply trying to live by eating without working. Are you listening to me, church? They are trying to live by eating without working. What happens if you eat but don't work? What's going to happen? Notice what she says. And, as, and in the spiritual as in the natural world, this always results in degeneration and decay. A man who refuses to exercise his limb will soon lose all power to use them. Thus, the Christian who will not exercise his God-given powers not only fails to grow up in Christ, but loses the strength he already has. If you eat without work, you become obese, become fat, right? You are no longer using your limbs. You are no longer exercising, and hence it leads to a what? Unhealthy condition. The reality of it, church, is many of us are spiritually overweight, we are spiritually obese. We are spiritually not in harmony with the principles of God. And God wants us not to stay in this condition. He wants us to use our limbs and our talents so that not only do we retain the strength that we already have, but we continue to grow in strength. Are you with me, church? Notice what it says. If the followers of Christ were awake to duty, there would be thousands where there is one today proclaiming the gospel in heathen lands. There will be what? Thousands. Thousands where there is only one. And all who cannot personally engage in the work would yet sustain it by their means their sympathy, and their prayers. And there will be far more earnest labors, labor for souls in Christian countries. So in other words, brothers and sisters, even if you can't do the footwork, there's a work for you. Even if you can't go and hand out stuff or meet with people and greet with people and visit people and talk with people or whatever it may be, there is a work still for you by your prayers, by your sympathy, Right By your financial means, you can help push forward this work. And you don't need to go, for, go far either. You don't need to go overseas. The ministry starts in your home. Right? 
How are we treating our loved ones? How are we treating our wives? How are we treating our husbands? How are we treating each other? Are we loving one another? Right? The whole idea is minister wherever God has called you. Some, he may call them to distant land. And some of us, we need to go to distant lands, right? It, it may stir up within us the revival, and God may use that. But some, they're called to minister locally. Some, they're called to minister in their homes, especially mothers, right? Mothers, especially with those young children, right? It's a special privilege and honor that they have to work with these young minds at a young age. Instead of the world doing it, it's better that they do it, right? We see what the schools are teaching our children, right? But when we do that, when we... When the mothers homeschool and, and the fathers, but in particular the mothers that nourish and care, when they homeschool and they teach their children at home, it leads their children to be more firm in Christ. And this is the ultimate goal. So wherever you are called to labor, God wants you to labor there. It brings us back to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, and we're closing here. Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus now is speaking. He's uh, sharing a series of parables. Separation of the sheeps from the goats, right? And he's simply saying, listen, are you ministering unto the people that you were supposed to be ministering unto? Notice what it says here. When the Son of Man, verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all the nations and he shall separate from one another as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats. And he shall set, set, set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was what? And hunger, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and ye visited me. I was in prison and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we and hungered and fed thee and thirsty and gave thee drink? And saw when saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked or clothed thee? Or when saw we sick or in prison and came unto thee? Aren't you in heaven? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it to the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. The least of these, the smallest, the youngest, the most outcast, those who are considered as outcasts of society, the least of these, then shall ye say also, uh, then shall ye say, shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, 
ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was in hunger, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. And naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered a thirst or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister unto thee, then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto, to, unto you, inasmuch as ye did not did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not unto me. And these shall go in away into everlasting punishment, but righteous, but the righteous into eternal life. Brothers and sisters, without service, without self-sacrifice and service, we cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. This is what God has called us to do. Let us make this a priority in our lives. Let us make up our minds to put others first. Right? Serve in whatever sphere of influence you have. It starts with an individual work. But then as we all work individually and we come together, it leads to a corporate work, right? So let us come together. Let us start individually and come together. Let us set up these small groups, small companies, and let us go forth and evangelize. What are the ideas that you have? Don't be afraid to share your ideas. What ideas do you have? What has God put upon your heart? What passion has he put upon your heart, right? Talk to him about it. Pray about it. And do what God has given you the talent and the gifts to do. I want to uh, end with a appeal. If, if, if it is your desire to put forth the energy to ask God to search you and seek him to be able to do his work and to give you the, the wisdom and knowledge so that you could utilize your gift in the right way, I'm going to ask you to stand with me if that is your desire. Please stand. Amen. And I'm going to ask that we bow our heads and we pray. Because my second appeal, our heads are bowed. If there's anyone in here who you're feeling impressed by the spirit of the Lord that you need to give your life to Christ. You have not surrendered or you, you have not been baptized, but you want to learn the steps on how to become a Christian and dedicate your life to the Lord. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice that wants to begin this journey of learning more about Christ, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Our, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Is there anyone? Amen. Amen. I see your hand. If there's anyone, there, is there anyone else? You want to begin this journey to know more about Christ and to put him first so that he could fill you with his love and you can begin to share that with others and be a part of his kingdom. Is there anyone else? Loving Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you so much for your love and your grace.
I thank you for your mercy. Lord, you see those who stood, they have said that they want you to strengthen them and give them power so that they could go and do the work that you have commanded them to do. Lord, we we have learned uh, through this message that uh, if we are not engaged in service, we cannot enter into your kingdom. And Lord, there may be among us, you know, those of us who may see that, listen, I could do more. Maybe we're doing something now, but I could do more. Maybe we're not doing anything, but I could do more. I pray that you work upon their heart and you lead them and strengthen them. And you give them the power that they need, that we need, to be a living church, a church that is connected to you, that is filled with your spirit, and that is doing your will. Not just praying, not just studying, but sharing and ministering to others. Give us your power, Lord. Give us that uh, Holy Spirit so that we can reproduce what was happening during the early stages of the church. Give us that latter rain, that former rain, and that latter rain, Lord. Grant it to us, Lord. Lord, in a special way, I pray for that hand that was raised up. You know. You know their heart. Lord, they, they said that they want to begin to learn more about you so that you can work upon their hearts, that you could transform them into the person who you want them to be and so that they could continue to serve and, and, and sacrifice to others. Lord, I pray that you work upon that heart, Lord, and that you lead them to know and understand that you are there with them through the trials, through the tribulations, and that you would lead them gently on, onto your path. Give us your power, give us your spirit, and help us to honor you. We thank you, Lord, and we ask you all these blessings and more. Only in the precious name of Jesus we pray.